Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast at the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen. And we are joined by uh, Upside Swings Lifer, uh, someone who helped us come up with the name, has been supporting us since the very beginning. Uh, his website, Roll Call Sports, hosts us. He you know, posts all our uh, podcasts on there. And he also writes for the Stepians. So huge, huge name we got on the pod today. And that's the great uh, CJ Marchashani. CJ, how you doing? Not too bad. I appreciate you guys having me on. Good to talk to you. Yeah, of course. It's it's great to see you in person. We talk about that with a lot of the guys on here, but uh, especially you because uh, he, he CJ let me publish work when I had like like ninety followers, if that. He's like he's like, do you want to write something? I was like, hell yeah! And uh, so so I'm forever grateful to CJ. Uh, I I literally would not be here without him. Um, and another guy would not be here without uh, soon to be 1200 follower Stone Hansen. Stone, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, I'm excited to have uh, like 2000 follower CJ on here. So, Please. Uh, <laughs> so it should be a blast. Um, you know, CJ is like you said, supported us since day one. So it's cool to have him on finally and uh, talk Cavs, even though it may not be his his specific team. I think. He's going to provide a lot of insight to us. Yeah, uh, Cavs are are not uh, CJ's team. We we sadly could not get uh, a member of the prolific Cavs Twitter onto uh, Upside Swings. They're a little too highbrow for us, and that's okay. I I I don't blame them for that. But CJ not too highbrow. Um, CJ is a Sixers fan by trade, but here to talk Cavs. And honestly, there's no better team to have him on to talk about because the Cleveland Cavaliers have the third overall pick. Uh, and that is just one of the more interesting picks in the draft. We talked about the second pick with Cooper. Uh, it kind of seems like the Cavaliers are going to be taking uh, sloppy seconds from whoever the Rockets decide not to take with that second pick. Uh, so that means there's two really interesting names we're going to talk about. Um First, I want to ask you both, who do you think is most likely to be the pick here? Evan Mobley or Jalen Green? Uh, CJ, I'm going to throw it to you first. If you would have asked me this like a week, 10 days ago, I would say that Mobley would go to the Rockets and Jalen Green would be, say, the consolation prize for the Cavs here. But, and I'm really always nervous about taking reports as it gets as close to the draft because 99% of it is uh, agent buzz, usually at this time of the year. But there seems to be a ton of smoke around Jalen Green to Houston, which maybe brings my confidence level down a little bit. So I think I'm closer to a coin flip here, probably leaning um, Mobley available for the Cavs. But I I really don't know. I would say 55% chance it's Mobley, 45% chance it's Green. Interesting. Stone? Um, yeah, I'm very much in the same position where, you know, like, like CJ was saying, if you asked me this, uh, right when the draft lottery was happening, I, I definitely would have said, uh, Jalen Green. Um, <clears throat> that said, when there's this much smoke, there's usually some sort of fire. Uh, so I think Jalen, it's really, I mean, the question is, I guess, <laughs> who is going number two? And it's a 50, 50, uh, split for me personally, and it, it could go either way. And I think, you know, either either pick they should be happy with because it's the right pick. So uh, we'll see what they do here. If they stay at three, we can get on with that too later. Yeah, I uh, 
we'll 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 hop into trades later. Um, I I tend to agree with you guys that it's sort of 50-50. Um, the reporting is weird around around the second and third draft, and it's really hard to separate like what's trustworthy and what's not, as it always is, because. Uh, like CJ mentioned, this is this is agent smoke time. Uh, we dealt with this a ton last year. The year I remember really dealing with it was 2019 when it was John Morant and RJ Barrett. Uh, everyone knew Zion Williamson was the first overall pick. Um, and 99.9% of people were like, John Morant's the clear second. Um, but there was always that little bit of, if the Grizzlies keep Mike Conley, then RJ Barrett's the pick. And it was sort of a whole thing. Um, but this year, I would say it's even a bit more palpable uh, with Evan Mobley, Jalen Green. And I think that's also partially because of how different they are as players and, and the different types of things they would bring to either team. Uh, so I want to start with Jalen Green here. Um, and, and we're going to we're going to at first run off the assumption that they keep context in and that they probably retain Jared Allen even if it's on a huge deal, which it very well might be. Reports are that he wants $20 million. Uh, We'll see how that goes. Um, CJ, what do you think of Jalen Green uh, in a vacuum? And then what do you think of him specifically as a Cleveland Cavalier? Sure. So I'm high on Green overall. Um, not crazy high. I have him three on my board. I think that it's not difficult. Like, you see the appeal, right? It's not difficult to close your eyes a little bit, get a little blurry, and see the outlines of the Zach Levine, Brad Beal kind of arch that people talk about. I think that that is certainly within his realm of possibilities. He obviously needs to clean up his handle a little bit, and there, there's some work to be done playmaking, creating for others. But as far as the jump, shoot, athleticism, like tools, outline of Zach Levine, you can absolutely see it. The downside of that is even in those top outcomes, that's not particularly the most valuable um, like role, right? If we're talking about guys like Cade Cunningham who have all of that same, uh, maybe not athleticism, but pull-up shooting, and it couples with the creation for others, it unlocks that next level ceiling. And same with, in my opinion, Evan Mobley, who has that potential to lock down a like be a defensive anchor a legitimate defensive anchor for a playoff team a championship team so I think that those are higher ceiling roles which is why I would lean towards those two over green but like all as, as far as becoming like an all-star shooting guard scorer he has all of those tools he has the monster athleticism the pull-up is improving the handle will help with that and it's not hard to see a path to him being a I don't know 23 point per game perennial all-star contender which is why he's being considered even for the two pick let alone the three yeah I I second all of that um an interesting discussion we had uh today with Cooper on the live show um was whether he is the greatest prospect in recent memory of this specific archetype um I'm with you CJ we're, we're in general in general, this is not an archetype I really value. Um, I will openly admit I would have been, well, I might have been high on Zach Levine because he's from Seattle, but I would have been like low on like a Bradley Beal in the draft. I just I just would have been. But it, it's hard for me to be low on Jalen Green because even if I, he's not an archetype I particularly value, in the last decade, it's hard for me to really think of a prospect that, that plays like this that's a better version of it. Um, Anthony Edwards last year was in this archetype. Anthony Edwards is not near the shooter Jalen Green is. Um, like he shot 29%, a lot of difficult shots. I won't take that away, but there were legitimate questions about what type of jump shooter he is in the NBA. Uh, there aren't those with Jalen Green. Jalen Green is a very good shooter. He will be a very good shooter. I have 
zero issue projecting that. Um, there's going to be times where it's probably streaky, but it looks good. He's confident. He has some range on it. Uh, he's a super floaty athlete. Um, pretty good burst. I, I would say he's probably doesn't have the elite burst of someone like a Zach Levine or Anthony Edwards. Like those are sort of like top of the league type guys. Um, but he, he has very good burst. And then once he gets within, you know, eight feet of the rim, he can basically jump all the way to the rim. So, so you only have to get so close. Um, and then that mid range footwork too. uh, stone, do you have any specific Jalen green takes? Do you have him full on at third on your board, sort of alone at third or, or, or where are you feeling with Jalen green? Yeah. Um, I, for me, the top four or the top five really in this class, um, is pretty easy for me to rank. Um, obviously, you know, it's not the same for everybody, but I think at least definitely one, two, and three should be walks in, in terms of how I have them. Uh, Jalen Green, like you were saying, is probably, at least in the time I've been doing this, is the best um, the best version of his archetype, I guess. Uh, and I think, you know, it comes down to, like you said, the shooting. Um, <clears throat> there's work to be done with this archetype. It seems like uh, with every of all of these players in this archetype, there's work to be done in terms of being a playmaker and defensively, it just it sort of comes with this archetype. Um, but I think, you know, Jalen Green, uh, uh, much like Anthony Edwards, has the elite physical tools to be able to get there and, and be at least a net neutral in both of those areas, um, just based off advantage creations um, offensively with his athleticism. And then defensively, he has the, you know, the tools to mitigate some of the, the lack of technique on that end. Um, so I think, you know, it, this should be the pick here for the, the Cavs if he's still available um, and not even regarding, you know, the, the backcourt that they currently have. Cause I think you just, you just want to take best player available. Uh, and if Mobley's taking that taken at two, I think Jalen Green is the, the clear choice here. Uh, and just a quick tangent really quick, just cause out of my own curiosity, um, a one name answer here, who do you think is more athletic between Anthony Edwards and Jalen Green? Anthony Edwards, uh, just bigger. Um, pure athleticism, I would take green. Uh, the, the athleticism frame combo, I would lean Edwards. Fair that's enough. fair. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I combine, combine the two. I combine the two. Uh, it's hard. Athleticism, just like any skill, doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's it's all yeah. t- So it's, it's hard to like draw lines, but you will not get a straight answer out of me. Yeah. Two guys yeah. I love. Yeah. Uh, very, very good athletes, the two of them. Let's, let's put it that way. Uh, very good at, at that specific part of basketball. Um, CJ, I want to throw it back to you. Uh, we hit on sort of what we think of Green overall, but how do you think he fits with this Cavs core? Um, you know, they have Darius Garland as, as presumably their point guard of the future. Uh, they had Colin Sexton, who at 22 just had an efficient, I want to say 24 point per game season or something like that. Uh, Jared Allen looks like he can be a member long-term. Uh, Isaac Okora, they drafted fifth last year, who was someone I was I was pretty high on. Uh, not really part of the young core, but I still love Mufiondo Kawagele uh, and and uh, Lamar Stevens as well, Dylan Windler. They have some interesting names. What what do you think of, of Jalen Green here as, as a fit? I think that's, well, that's the issue, right? I, I don't think we would be talking, talking about this, this quite as much if, if. Um, that if they were like that seamless fit. So we have a very small backcourt already. And who knows 
how long that backcourt will stay together, right? So we'll assume that they are. But I think the the play here for Cleveland is you just need to see what you have in green if this ends up being the pick. I don't think that selecting Jalen Green automatically means you have to trade Colin Sexton or you have to put Darius Garland to the bench. They're not competing for championships this year, right? I think it's perfectly acceptable to run those three guys 30 minutes a game with each other, back and forth, get minutes with Okura, get minutes with the best players on the floor and see what fits, right? They're not going to take a gigantic step back in value because they have to deal Sexton at the deadline instead of in the offseason. So I think that you you play it out, and maybe it's not that perfect fit, but you, like you touched on, Colin Sexton just had a ridiculously efficient season for his level of usage. Darius Garland's an awesome prospect in his own right, and Jalen Green's about to be the number three or the number two pick in this draft. So my play here for Cleveland is to bet on the talent and see who works it out and see who the odd man out is and see if there is an odd man out. With uh, Cleveland isn't exactly a step away. So my, my play here is absolutely get the talent in-house, put them through training camp and see where the pieces fall. I, I don't think it's a, uh, a pick green, get rid of Sexton one for one kind of thing. Yeah. I think we're in the same boat. Um, you're right. It's not like the Cavaliers need to need to put a team on the floor. That's like ready to play in the playoffs next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, honestly, for their own good, they probably shouldn't do that. Um, Jalen Green is such an interesting fit next to specifically Darius Garland to me. Um, Colin Sexton, I I won't get into. I I'm a little bit lower on him than most people. The season he just had was was really great, and I and I think there's some value there, but I I don't think it's as some like max superstar, and I think he's gonna want a max contract. So I don't blame the Cavaliers for wanting to move on from him. Uh, but that's that's all I'll say on that. We can touch on that a little bit later. Um, next to Darius Garland, I think he's really interesting. Darius Garland is is sneakily one of the better pick and roll point guard, like young pick and roll point guards in the NBA. Uh, he is he is a really smooth operator in the pick and roll. Um, and Jalen Green, if he could really leverage himself as an off ball scorer, uh, could be really, really like the perfect sort of backcourt mate for Darius Garland, at least offensively, because um, Darius Garland isn't an elite isolation player, but potentially Jalen Green could be. So there's two different play types from two different players that can let them exist on different parts of the floor in the same play. And then if if Jalen Green can really work to get to his spots, whether that be, you know, sort of cutting it right to the rim or cutting into the mid-range, working his way, you know, getting a mismatch off ball and then maybe getting a post up or or whatever it may be, I think Jalen Green could be a really, a really perfect offensive backcourt mate next to Darius Garland to sort of build this team around where you have a really good pick and roll operator, smart passer, good shooter, smart scorer, and then just, just a lightning bug player in Jalen green, who is just an absolute, you know, I hate to use the term bucket getter. Uh, I, I won't use the term pooper. That's uh, going a hooper. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going around on Twitter today. It, people won't be listening to this, to this until like five days from now. And, and they'll Yoda will have said something else crazy and people will have moved on. Um, but you know, Jalen green gets buckets. He, he just does. He, he will find a way to average points and, and get where he needs to go. Um, next to someone like Darius Garland, I, I think that's a really symbiotic fit there. Uh, so, so I really like green here. 
uh, for that sense. Uh, Stone, do you have any specific Jalen Green in in Cleveland takes? Yeah. Um, so I, I think <clears throat> Colin Sexton's best role, if they were to take Jalen Green, is probably as a sixth man on this team. But I, you're going to have a lot of trouble, I think, getting him to buy into that. I think, you know, at this point, for what he's done for Cleveland, he probably would think, you know, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I think he probably uh, um, envisions himself as a higher uh, starter-worthy type player, um, which is entirely fine. But I think, you know, running that out there alongside Jalen Green and benching Darius Garland, I think <clears throat> is is a questionable move because I'm, I'm super high on Darius Garland. Like I had him number two in that class and it's probably a mistake at this point, but I'm still not 100% ready to say that. Um, I think, you know, Garland is the point guard of the future for this team and really helps them out in a lot of areas. Um, really good in the pick and roll. And being a smaller point guard, I think you have to be, and, and he certainly had showed that so far. Um, and then I think if you're running out Colin Sexton and Jalen Green together um, as, you're, as you're sort of uh, one and two of the future, it puts a significant ceiling, I think, on what you can do if those are going to be your top two guys. Uh, because, you know, not to say that Darius Garland isn't going to struggle offensively because he will. Um, and, and, you know, putting Jalen Green alongside either of Sexton or Garland is going to put a cap on your defensive ceiling. Just, don't, I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, but I think having more playmaking with Darius Garland uh, is, is the significant difference there. Um, and then the other thing I would say, too, is I, I think with Sexton, um, he's really efficient, and what he does is might be better off served on a team uh, that's a little past a rebuilding stage, actually, despite his youth and age. I, I think he's already sort of um, proven and, and established himself as an efficient scorer in the league. And although he may not do much outside of that, I think what he does provide can provide a lot of value to a, a team that is a little past or, or further down the timeline than the Cavs are. Um, so maximizing the value that he currently has might be the way to go. Um, <clears throat> Jalen Green and, and Darius Garland have their their drawbacks together, certainly as a uh, putting a cap on your ceiling. Um, but I think you, you just try and work it out. They're both still super young, you know, so there's a lot of room for improvement there. Um, that, that would be sort of my take there on the, on the green to Cavs fit. Yeah. I, I like that you bring that up there. I think something that's important to note with any of these teams at this point is that I think sometimes people sort of think with 2k brain a little bit, which I don't blame them for, but like, you don't have to make like definitive roster decisions at this point in, in your, your roster building timeline. Um, you, you just, there you don't have to um i'm with you that I, like for me i would be trying to sell high on con sexton but you don't have to do that you can trot jalen green out there at the three and just see how it goes see if you can get equal touches out there um i just think there's like green is good enough that you just sort of figure it out if this was the 11th pick in the draft that might be a different question but with the third pick and a pretty solid draft um where where to me green is the pretty solid third best guy um i i I think you just sort of live with that um but there is not any certainty that green will be the pick here at three um i think we're gonna move on and talk about someone who i'm assuming we all have at two on our board um and that is evan mobley uh evan mobley seven foot center out of 
uh, center forward, maybe I should say, out of USC. Um, one of the more more tantalizing defensive prospects I've ever seen and, and also has a really interesting offensive package. So, CJ, I'm going to throw it back to you. Uh, how do you feel about Evan Mobley? Do you have him at two? Um, and, and, and what skill sets does he have that you really like? I do have him at two, and I think it's it really is the versatility. And, and like, he's a chess piece, right? Early in his career, he's probably not going to guard centers, despite the fact that he is a center. He's a skinny kid. He definitely has to put some weight on. But I think a little bit of that is what makes the Cavs fit potentially so attractive if they bring back Jared Allen, is that very few of those big, big pairings have an efficient offense and a good defense. And I think off the top, that would be a phenomenal defensive start. Um, if you're going to be starting, in that case, the, the young core of Sexton and Garland, neither of which bring you a ton of defense, to be able to complement that with Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen rotating in the front court and on the wings, that's a really, really nice defensive core that you can build around a little bit. And Mobley has all of the ability to step out and be that floor spacing wing, right? Like, I think he's going to shoot it for sure. And more importantly than just being able to shoot it, he can put the ball on the floor and attack you off the dribble and bring that dynam like that dynamic aspect that is underrated, I think, in floor spacing. I think a lot of people just look at shooting as floor spacing, but it's a lot easier to you know, ignore a guy and then recover on the three-point shot if you don't have to worry about him putting the ball on the floor too. And I think Mobley brings that dynamic aspect where you can't just sit him in the corner because maybe he'll cut or you can't just ignore him in the corner because maybe he'll cut, maybe he'll shoot, maybe he'll put the ball on the floor and create for somebody else. So I think that'll be a really great way for that young team to survive offensively and make that pairing work because I think the Jarrett Allen, Evan Mobley pairing on defense is could grow to be truly something special. And I would be really intrigued to see how that played out, especially given that you would think that they'd be able to tread water with as good as Sexton is and Garland's development to maybe not be the worst offense in the league with a too big, uh, a too big front court and use Mobley's versatility to prop up the offense while being like elite potentially down the road on defense. Yeah, I love how you bring up uh, sort of that aspect of spacing. Uh, CJ has a great um, metric that's uh, spacing and gravity that sort of uh, combines those aspects he's talking about with shooting and being able to uh, pull a defense in on itself and, and create for others. Uh, yeah, Evan Mobley is just plain and simple, one of the most versatile prospects I've ever seen um, on both ends. I feel like he's so moldable to what you need. Um, I feel like at some point in his career, he could be a very good post player. He could be um, solid at attacking closeouts, maybe even running a pick and roll here and there. I don't think he's ever going to be like that type of super high usage pick and roll player. Like by any means, I don't think he's a full on wing, but I, he he could have that in his game. Um, he could be sort of a high post initiator, like a Demonis Sabonis um, running a lot of DHOs. He could be a, a, a role man bob threat. There's just so many things Evan Mobley could do offensively that he's sort of the perfect like piece to put with a combination of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Um, because whatever those two need, 
he can sort of fill. Like, like say you have Darius Garland on the floor, context on the bench, and you need Evan Moby to step up and do some more scoring. He could do that. He can he can create for himself in the post or uh, sort of work as a role man next to uh, Darius Garland. Colin Sexton is just creating a lot, but he's not really getting others involved. You can run run things through Evan Mobley in the high post, get get Colin Sexton getting downhill off handoffs or, you know, fake DHOs, pass to the corner, whatever it is. He's just so offensively versatile. And that's not even hitting on – like offense isn't even his best – part of the floor he to me he has defensive player of the year level upside um his length combined with his intelligence and athleticism is is just very rare um i don't he's not like an elite lateral mover i think he can sometimes get a little overrated as like people i i've seen people talk about him as like a full-on wing i don't see that i think he can be a very good switch big um but you know even not like quite like bam on a bios level laterally but he can be a, an elite rim protector and a very good switch big. And, and that, that versatility will really help him. And that's sort of the name of the game with Mopley. Bring it up on offense, bring it up on defense. He's super versatile. He he can sort of fit into whatever you, role you want him to. If you want to pay Jared Allen, he can be the four next to Jared Allen. If you don't, he can be your long-term five. Or uh, in my dream world, he can be your four next to Mifion Dukab and Gale. Um hmm. But yeah, uh, Stone, uh, do you want to give us your your big Evan Mobley takes? Yeah, um, I'm a massive Evan Mobley fan. Like he's probably the best defensive prospect I've I've evaluated um, over the past five or six years. Um, you know, I, I first heard about the Mobley brothers uh, because they're sort somewhat local um, to my area and played in a high school not too far from me. Um, so. Uh, they they came on my radar pretty early and as the first game I saw of Mobley I was like this kid is is like nothing I'd really ever seen before um <clears throat> just the deep I would actually push back on the on the ladder on the comparison of him and Bam laterally because he is truly like like special laterally uh moving on that end I was just watching him uh I forget who it was against um but he was shuffling from basically like one side of the three-point line to the another as a guy was trying to probe uh, close to the hoop and he was moving with this guard so well that the guard couldn't get around him like he, he's got some in, incredible footwork and in, in mobility mobility laterally um to where you know it it uh compared with his defensive um his shot blocking instincts when you put factor all those things together that combination is just it, it's pretty unreal um, and then offensively, he's he's a very quick processor of the game. Like there's not many other bigs I've seen that that process the game as quickly as he does. So he's able to make these immediate like instinct passes, like touch passes, um, can uh, find guys off of the short roll. Like there, there's so many things he can do offensively. And I like the point you brought up that I think doesn't get mentioned a lot where you, you said they don't have to pay Jared Allen if they take Evan Mobley. Where I think if you take Jalen Green, you kind of have to, and they, they sort of pigeon them, pigeonhole themselves into uh, taking him. And not necessarily that it's a bad thing, because I think Allen is, is still a valuable player. Uh, but having that that option on allocating that money somewhere else um, it is something I think that is, it's a fun little wrinkle to throw in there. Um, and, you know, I think uh, there, there's still room for Evan Mobley to play next to Allen. I buy his shooting long term. He's still um, really fluid mover, can space out defense defenses. So 
having like two elite shot blockers on your team <laughs> and one of them is able to stretch the floor like that gives you a really dynamic pairing and something that not a lot of other teams have uh so i'm all in on mobley um i think whether it's the rockets or the Cavs, he's, he's probably the better pick for either team uh over jalen green but like we mentioned before picking jalen green isn't uh <laughs> it's no bad move for for either team as well yeah, I think that's what's fun about the, the top three. And for me, four in this draft, uh, I won't talk about Kai Jones today. But um, for me, it's top four in this draft uh, that I that I really love. It's that I think um, no matter what, you're getting a, a, a player who can really be a good player on a on a championship roster if you if you maximize them. Um, every player, aside from maybe like Kate Cunningham, has legit downside. Um, but it, it, I think the Cavs are at a good spot because they have Darius Garland to sort of maximize either of these players. Um, I think Darius Garland is super underrated. Stone had him th- uh, second. I had him fourth uh, right behind Kevin Porter Jr. At third, uh, I was confident in John Moran at two still. Um, but Darius Garland is very good at basketball. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, and that sort of brings me to my next, the next thing I want to hit on. And that's um, what do the Cavs do from here? Uh, no matter what the pick is, they're at a weird spot with Colin Sexton, it seems, because they don't want to pay him. And he's when when the rumors are out there that a player is going to get traded, I feel like 95% of the time that means they get dealt, like if they're legit substantiated rumors, um, just because that uh, that like chemistry locker room situation gets really weird if they're sticking around. So CJ, what are some, you don't even have to give me like concrete trade ideas, but if they were to trade someone like Colin Sexton or, or, you know, maybe a sign trade with Jaron Allen, who on the team do you think is expendable to be traded and what should they be looking for in return? Sure. So first of all, before I even do that, I don't know if, I think the question that the Cavs need to be asking themselves, right, is what is a more valuable asset? A year of Colin Sexton before he needs to get paid, right? Or Colin Sexton on a, a, a what's it, the rookie extension max. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's significantly lower than the, than the uh, veteran max. I think it's 25% of the cap off the top of my head, maybe 20%. Yeah, I, I think it's 20, it starts at 25 and raises to like 28 yeah. by the end I think that's how it works so they need to evaluate and talk to other teams and see which of those things is a more valuable asset right because whoever trades for Colin Sexton is trading for them trading for him assuming that he is going to be like making that max right you're, you're not going to trade for Colin Sexton and then not max him. you know that's what he's going to get so I think particularly if they draft Evan Mobley, I think that sets up a situation where Colin Sexton, who just had a great season in a worse context, gets the ball just as much as he did last year and maybe even plays better this year than he did last year to the point where that max extension doesn't even look so bad, even if you don't intend on keeping him long-term. I don't think Colin Sexton or the Cavs would be opposed to signing that max and then trading him after that, right? I don't think Sexton's like dead set on Cleveland, but he's also not going to turn down the max. So I think that that in that evaluation, I honestly, like one of the rumored packages was like the Knicks, the Knicks like bag of tricks, like Kevin Knox, Obi Toppin, and like 19 or something like that. And, and if you're looking at it and that's what you're going to get for Colin Sexton a year removed from the max, 
I struggle to see a way that that's not available again next year, right? Like none of us are, are over the moon about Obi Toppin, right? I think that Colin Sexton signs the the extent signs the extension size of max, whatever it is. I think that he still probably brings that return back. I don't think he's a negative value on that contract if he puts up another season like he just had. And I think a team like Philly or a team like like Stone said a little bit further along in their development, Los Angeles, something like that would see that as a positive contract. So I'm not necessarily sure that I would settle for the, you know, smorgasbord of mid-tier guys before I saw, especially if they pick Mobley, before I saw what Colin Sexton looked like with a revamped defense behind him, a little more versatility and skill, year two Isaac Okoro, and a team better suited to cover his weaknesses and amplify his strengths. And I think that's something that they should be interested in getting a year of Colin Sexton in that context before dumping him. Jalen Green makes it a little more difficult because is that the ideal situation for Colin Sexton to bump up his trade value? Probably not. And I don't think that, I I don't think that they necessarily need to move him because they take green because they don't fit together on the court. But if they're thinking that, you know, trade value is arbitrary. We saw it I saw it close up with Michael Carter Williams rookie year for the Sixers. Like they just fed him a lot of touches year two, year three, Michael Carter Williams wasn't a better player than year one or a worse player. He it's just the situation. So I think if you're going to look like internally at what this year is going to look like, and you think that mm, maybe this isn't the best setup for sex, then let's deal him now. Then maybe you deal him now. But if you're looking at it and you're going to take Mobley and you're like, well, maybe he's going to have a really awesome year in a great context. I think that there are definitely, I think that there's a better chance than he's that he stays than maybe giving credit for right now. Yeah, I I'm with you. I, I think that's, and that was a perfect breakdown of, of all things Colin Sexton. Um, Sexton is just a really interesting player. He was someone I was like very low on in his draft year. Um, and, and, I'll say he's proven me wrong. I would say my evaluation of him is is similar to what he's become. He's just a lot better at it than I thought he would be. He is very efficient. I mean, his archetype is generally like the inefficient shot chucker. That's not him. He he doesn't shoot as many threes as you'd want. Um, his volume from three is pretty low for someone who shot it was like thirty seven or something like that percent. A good percentage from three. Not a ton of volume, but he gets to the rim. He he hits shots in the mid range. He just takes advantage of his touches as a scorer. And he had you know a very high usage this year in Cleveland. Um, he's someone who I think will have continuous value, um, but he will probably get a max. And something that uh, is weird with maxes is they're not like of adequate value to what a player is, right? Like. Like right now, Jason Tatum and, and Donovan Mitchell are on the same uh, contract structure. Um, those two players are not. I'm a Jazz fan, and, and I will look you dead in the eye and say those two players are not at the same value. They're just not. One of those players is maybe worth a max, and the other one is worth more than a max, but they're only allowed to get the max because of the CBA. That's just how the NBA works. Um, and, and, and the best teams have players that exceed those contracts uh you know steph curry only making 14 million on the warriors was sort of the outlier example of that but that even goes for max contracts like lebron and ad on max contracts is worth a lot more than you know any like gordon hayward on a max contract like it's just it's the same contract value 
it's not the same value you're getting out of that contract. And I think that's sort of where my worry with Colin Sexton is, is, is those sort of low tier max contract players can really make team building difficult because they're making too much to be just salary filler in deals. Um, the, just the one helpful thing with Colin Sexton is just, he's so young and, and teams will look at him as at any part of their timeline as a useful player. Um, so, so I think, I think it, it, it works either way. Um, Stone, do you have any Colin Sexton takes you want to get off your chest? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you guys pretty much hit everything um, in terms of what needed to be said. The only other aspect to this that I would add is if you are to trade Colin Sexton, he's still on his rookie deal. So to get the value back that you want for Colin Sexton, to get Colin Sexton's value back, you have to add other salary to be able to get that because I don't think you're going to find many other guys on rookie contracts that are going to be on the market that have the same kind of value that, that Colin Sexton might. So you're going to have to look at trading guys, um, <clears throat> whether that be a Kevin Love. And, and I know you were saying earlier, like 95% of players, uh, I know it's just kind of like an arbitrary number, but like unless your name is Kevin Love, who gets his name thrown and put in the ringer like year after year, that's probably true. Um, so you have to look at either Kevin Love, which I don't think they would package with Colin Sexton because um, you're probably going to be selling for like 70 cents on the dollar because not a lot of teams want that contract coming back. Um, and then you have to look at other places uh, like maybe a Larry Nance Jr. or a Torian Prince who have sort of these these mid-tier contracts at around 12 million for each. Um, so you have to see, you know, what other salary you're going to throw in with Sexton because you're just not going to get that the value in a one-for-one one deal or anything uh, coming back. Um, <clears throat> so when you look at that, I think it becomes more interesting and dynamic because you're not just selling Colin Sexton, you're selling another probably rotation player alongside him. Uh, and who that is for the Cavs is anybody's guess, but I think it's just another aspect you have to consider when, when talking about Colin Sexton. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, this has been this has been a really nuanced discussion of Colin Sexton. I feel like uh, we don't get a lot of that in 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 the realms we inhabit on the internet. So so that's been nice. It's it's not just yelling. Um, but I do want to uh, move on, and and this one should be quicker. I'm just going to ask you guys straight up: uh, Is Jared Allen worth twenty million dollars um, to this Cavs team? I won't say in a vacuum because. I think in a vacuum, it'd be no for all of us. He's not a $20 million a year player. He's he's a center who, who isn't super scalable. But for this Cavs team, where they're at, uh, would you give Jared Allen the $20 million contract extension he's asking for, CJ? Yes. Um, I, I think that where Cleveland is at in their rebuild, they can't afford to be giving away talent. I think $20 million a year, Jared Allen, is not a negative uh, contract at any point on that deal. I think he's actually a very good player, a very good defensive anchor with or without Mobley. I, um, I don't think that they can afford to lose talent. It's not like Cleveland is some sort of Miami Heat team that always has an eye two years in the future for that next fish that they could reel in. I think when you, when you uh, are a basketball team in Cleveland, Ohio, that is not employing LeBron James currently, you need to retain your talent. And Jared Allen was a really nice value play that they got in that, that Houston Brooklyn trade to just get him as like a throw in. And I think it was worth it even for the, just to have his rights and all of that stuff. But I wouldn't really, if he's asking 
20. I try to talk him down to 18, 19, because that's just good business. But if he's saying 20 or I walk, I, I pay him 20. And I'm pretty happy about it at the end of the day to have a really awesome defensive minded center that, you know, lob threat. I, I don't really care if centers can play offense if they're awesome at defense. He's an awesome defender, phenomenal room protector. And on that Cleveland team, I wouldn't blink at 20 million. Yeah, for me, um, I would actually push back on the in the vacuum because I think in a vacuum, I still would value him on a $20 million deal. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some people may push back on that because of the replaceability aspect in terms of his archetype. Like he's uh, he's a rim runner, essentially. Um, but I think what sets him apart is he is an elite defensive anchor. And I don't think you're going to find that the gap between that is significant enough to where I think he's worth the $20 million. Um, and, you know, the, the other aspect of this is where else is that $20 million going to go? If they don't use it on Jared Allen, what else can they bring in? Um, are you going to find somebody that's, you know, as valuable to that team that Jared Allen is? Uh, and I think for me, the answer would be no. Like Cleveland's not, you know, like a super hot spot for free agents. So, and to be able to get, a young guy who fits your timeline, you can anchor your defense is <clears throat> worth the 20 million in my opinion. Um, and it's still a tradable contract, you know, like in nowadays, it, it might make your team building a little difficult in certain contexts, but it's still, it's not an unmovable contract. And, you know, they say no contract is unmovable. Um, and that might be true, but some are, are <laughs> really, really close to being unmovable but I don't think that would be the case if you were to take uh, or sign Jared Allen to 20 million. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, just, just for posterity's sake, I, I looked up um, Clint Capella's contract extension. Um, Cause I, I thought there was some like absurd difference and there's really not. He's he's making uh 17 million for this upcoming year, uh, 18 million after that. So, you know, I, I think I'm with you guys that for me, I, I'd give, Jared Allen that 20 million because uh I'm especially CJ mentioned you know a, a big who plays D like I'm absolutely in the same realm like that is the most important thing you can do as a big man is be a really good defender um I think that's part of why I'm low on someone like Alperin Shengun um and, and Jared Allen is very good at defense probably underrated defensively um and I, I would honestly say fairly versatile as well um so we've hit on a lot of stuff with the Cavs here um, and, and I want to have some fun with this. They're a young team. Young teams uh, oftentimes fill out with more young talent. Uh, this draft is absolutely full of, of young talent, interesting talent. Um, I, we did this with Mavs draft. They didn't, uh, the Mavs didn't have a pick. The Cavs obviously have the third pick, but they don't have a second round pick. So who is a guy for each of you um, that you think is, is likely going to go undrafted, uh, who you think the Cavs should take a shot on in priority UDFA, whether that be a full contract or on a two-way. Um, if you guys don't have one, I can go first. But uh, that's a question I, I, I like to ask. It was fun when we did it last. And uh, I, I think it's an interesting question with the Cavs because they hit on their UDFA last year. Um, that Lamar Stevens is, is very good. Um, he is a really good defender, interesting type of shot maker in the mid-range with the potential to expand out to three. You know, is he like an elite long-term starter? Probably not, but... Uh, Wings win rings, baby. And uh, I, I really like that uh, pickup for them. So, um, Stone, do you have a guy or do you want me to go first? Um, yeah, I have <clears throat> I have a couple, but if we're limited to one, I will just 
simply go with Derek Alston Jr. Um, I think for this team, it adds a, a bit of dynamicism. Um, <clears throat> if you're getting an undrafted free agent, I don't think you're really factoring them into your team building or anything. But, um, you know, if he were to get minutes, I think he provides a lot of versatility for them as basically like a big guard in a wing's body. Um, and he, you know, can play alongside whatever backcourt player, whether it be Jalen Green, Colin Sexton, or Darius Garland, I think. Um, and then there's also lineups where he can play alongside Okoro and, and things like that. Um, so I, I would say Austin Jr. for my, my pick here. I like that. CJ, are you ready to go or do you want me to go? I'm good to go. I, um, I think kind of touching on what Stone said for the, pretty much the same reasons. If you are playing in undrafted free agency, right, it obviously makes sense to go after guys that would, if they earn playing time, complement your team, right? And in this case, we don't need any small scoring guards and we don't need any room protecting bigs because that's something that they kind of have uh, locked down. So I think the priority there is obviously wings and more specifically wings that can pass. And in that nature, I think Banton from Nebraska would be really fun just as I, I like him altogether. I'm, I always love guys that are tall and can dribble and can pass. And he's got that. And somebody that maybe isn't wing size, maybe more big size that I think is a little bit up in the air. I don't know if he's entering the draft or playing professionally and enter, entering the draft next year. I guess he's entering now. Today's the last day is Santi Aldama from Loyola. The only thing I saw in his press release is he is turning professionally. It did not say he was going to the NBA draft. I don't know what he's doing, but I like his passing ability. And if teams are as confused by his Loyola film as I was, he's a guy that I could see slipping through the cracks and is absolutely somebody that I would want NBA teams to take a shot on, specifically Cleveland, who's going to be looking for playmaking, uh, whether they go Mobley or Green. That's I love the Banton pick or Bont. I don't know exactly Banton. I think that's how you say it. Um, uh, I was I was gonna pick him, but you mentioned the passing and uh, someone who I really like there is Chandler Vaudrin uh, from Winthrop. Uh, Winthrop was a surprisingly good team this year, and it was mostly because of him. Uh, really consistent. Six seven passer. Uh, I buy the shot. It's not elite or anything, but he can hit spot ups, and he's comfortable putting the ball in the deck, running a pick and roll. Um, you know, he's far from a sure thing, and knowing you get in UDFA is going to be a sure thing. But Lamar Stevens Stevens was sort of the type of like like defensive minded, maybe get you some buckets, athletic wing archetype. They have Dylan Windler, who's sort of like the traditional three and D wing archetype. I like Chandler Vaudrin as the bet of like that sort of three and not three and D, excuse me, that sort of like playmaking wing archetype who can, can really grease the wheels of an offense. And, 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 you know, when Colin Sexton is struggling to make plays for others sort of step up and be the one to make the passes and make the extra pass or uh, attack a closeout and, and, and find the, the man in the dunker spot, whatever it is. I, I think Vaudrin is a really good bet for that. And he's someone who's gone um, overlooked. I think um, it, you know, it, I said one guy, but the, we're draft guys, all three of us. Um, for those who don't know, CJ isn't specifically like, you know, a Cavs guy. He's a uh, draft guy overall. Um, so if there's any other names, Stone, you mentioned you had some other names. If there's any other names you want to throw out, uh, feel more than free. I really like the Santi Aldama one as well. That's a, he's an interesting guy. I don't know what's going on with him either. So 
you're not alone. Uh, Stone. I was the only one that cheated, so let's hear your names. Um, I'll throw a couple rapid fire ones. Just we don't have to really go too in depth. Chris Smith. I know that's someone Bryce really likes. I think he would be interesting there. Um, <clears throat> I would have said Knockage, but uh, you know he had to pull out. Just had to do that to us. Um, so the other, the only other guy I guess I'll bring up um, would be Justin Champagne. Um, somebody who I was originally pretty low on, but I think he had, he's risen a little bit on my board just because I think he does some unique things for his size, basically like a six, six rim protector. Um, and, you know, we talked a lot about what Eve Pons does. I had to bring his name up cause we just have to continue the trend. Um, we talked about like what he does at six, six. And I think Justin Champagne, um, whether it's as translatable as Eve Pons is another question, but um, he offered that same sort of archetype, I think, maybe not quite as switchable, um, but a uh, high level motor um, and a six, six guy who can uh, block shots and, you know, play defense on the perimeter to an extent. So um, just, that's just a couple more names I would throw out there. Yeah. I like those names. Uh, the last name I'll throw out there is Ethan Thompson from Oregon state. Um, sort of like a worse Chandler Vodger. And he's kind of just like, but maybe slightly more athletic. And, that's what uh, you want to hear. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but a poor I, man's chance. <laughs> I have them in separate tiers. So, but I do like Ethan Thompson uh, from Oregon State, and uh, he, you know, he sort of got that uh, is fat potential in disguise question. Uh, he might be more athletic than he's shown, um, and, and just a really interesting uh, kind of also wing playmaker type. So, you know, like uh, that's a bet I'd want to take. Maybe like, is David Duke gonna go? undrafted like it felt like he was getting like almost top 30 hype for a while i don't i have him who outside of my top 75 um i don't i don't like his i don't know i I don't like it i I, I don't like it he's 74 on my board and i'm with he's 76 on mine i've seen him three months ago he was in every top 45 every top 60 oh yeah and he didn't have a very good year. Um, yeah. He looked a lot better last year. Yeah, no, I'm with, but at uh, as an undrafted free agent, I think yes. he's the type of guy who can make some sense. Um, just all sort of a big wing playmaker. Uh, probably a bad shooter. Like if we're being honest, like he had okay numbers this year, but uh, the it's really it's a really weird looking shot. Um, but yeah, like like just take bets on wings at undrafted free agency. Like that's I think mm. what we're all getting at. Um, I feel like it's pretty rare that like an undrafted like guard really is the one that works out. Maybe like, you know, you can point to JJ Berea, but like, like the, the ones who really stick and have roles in the league tend to be wings. And it's the same with a lot of second round picks and they might not be like the flashiest undrafted guys ever, but they're the types that, that find roles and find ways on the competitive teams. So uh, that's sort of my spiel here. Um, this has been awesome. Uh, it was so great to get to get CJ on the pod. He, like I mentioned, he has been a supporter for literally the longest time, probably about a month before we even recorded the first episode. He was uh, helping us out with things. So uh, can't think of enough. CJ, just let the people know where they can find all your excellent work because it's, it's seriously great. Um, and, and just and, and plug yourself to your heart's content. Yeah, of course. A uh, couple of things. Um, obviously, roll call. I have to start there if I'm going to be on upside swings. Um, Bryce writes for roll call. We have Stewart's on, who's awesome. A couple other great guys writing. Jackson Lloyd. We're going to uh, arm uh, Stone into writing something for there eventually. 
Um, obviously the step in my pinned tweet has pretty much all of my projects listed down below that. If anybody's interested in what I'm working on and last but not least, since I'm here and like to give you guys uh, fun, I, I just finished up my big board, which will probably be coming out in the next day or two. And I have Kai Jones ranked 24th on my big board. So I, I'll leave it with that. Ooh, okay. Well, this this has been CJ's last time on the pod. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, CJ is seriously great. Uh, despite despite our disagreement on uh, the greatest man ever to be named Kai, um, I I can't thank CJ enough. Uh, seriously, like like he he helped me feel like feel like I belong on draft Twitter. Uh, I know that might sound silly for those of you not on draft Twitter, but it, it did, it did feel really nice. And he, you know, he let me post my first work and he's let me expand what I write. You know, I, I'm not pigeonholed uh, when I wrote at clutch points, which I don't do anymore. Um, I, I felt really pigeonholed into writing stuff that, that didn't matter to me. And, and, you know, it's not like I get paid or anything, but it, it's really nice to get a write what you love and, and put that out there for people to read, you know, Jackson Lloyd is seriously maybe the best writer in all of basketball right now, in my opinion, uh, I, I read any of his stuff at, at any point ever. He's so intelligent. He's really good at clipping all that type of stuff. And, and everyone I've met from roll call is just great. So uh, really go support roll call, uh, not just for me, but for CJ and for all the other great writers on there. Um, stone do you want to let people know where they can find you and what they got to do yeah um well what they first should do is follow cj um and then after that if you want to follow me at report underscore court that's pretty much where i put all my draft work uh and i just recently figured out how to start clipping games so i'm going nuts like a madman clipping everything um probably driving everybody crazy but i don't care because it's spreading my my uh jared butler propaganda um So, and then if you want to follow the, uh, the podcast at Upside Swings on Twitter, um, and then any ratings or reviews are much appreciated and helps us grow our base of it. Yeah. Uh, actually, before we get out of here, CJ, where do you have Jared Butler ranked? I want to see who has Jared Butler higher. Stone has me beat. I have him 11. Oh, Stone has him seven, right? Like, yeah. Almost six at this point. It's really close. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's, so, so, he's really, really good. I, I There's a couple upside guys that I have over him, but, like, he has the upside, too. He's sophomore age. He's two years younger than Davion Mitchell almost, and he's awesome at basketball. Um, get on the Jared get on the Jared Butler bandwagon before it's too late. Do it. Do it. Uh, Dom, I feel bad. I don't know how to say his last name. Dom Sim, Simgani, I think is yeah. how you say it, um, posted, like, really like like his statistic like shooting statistics are nuts and considering that he's also probably a top 10 ball handler in the draft it's uh getting hard for me to keep him out of my lottery tier but uh i'll i'll save that tease for a little later um but this has been great uh we want to thank cj again for coming on taking his time to talk about a team he he doesn't really care about but but we had a lot of fun um thanks again to stone uh for everything he does we're rounding the home stretch i want to say this is 27 the 27th team uh we have magic hawks and uh suns left i think raptors Raptors. so this is the 26th team see i i don't count past 20 i'm not a i'm not an analytics guy i guess um but this has been great uh we want to thank everyone for listening thanks again to cj go follow him at cj marchesani uh this has been the upside swings draft podcast we hope we hit our ceiling thank you